Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. for you is something that is going to take O'Hare Air to the next level. Now, Mr. O'Hare, I know what you're thinking. One, I've gotten rich selling people air that's fresher than the sticky stuff outside. Two, and here's the important one, how can I possibly make even more money? <laughs> we can tell you, sir. We can tell you. Check out this commercial, huh? Well, here goes another lame Saturday. Dude, I don't think so. <laughs> to go. Please breathe responsibly. Huh? Oh my goodness. Love it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be kidding me. You really think people are stupid enough to buy this? Our oh. research shows that if you put something in a plastic bottle, people will buy it. Exactly. And, and what's more, when we build a new factory to make the plastic bottles, the air quality's just going to get worse. Which will make people want our air even more and drive sales where? Through the roof! So in other words, the more smog in the sky, <laughs> the more people will buy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gee, that's why he's the genius. It even rhymes. I'm aware it rhymes. What do you two knuckleheads want? I'm in the middle of a meeting. What? Why is he leaving town? No one ever leaves town. See what he's up to. Well, good morning, Restoration Church. Um, as a church, we gather in three, or excuse me, four different spots in New Hampshire. We meet in Dover, in Plymouth, in Milton, and in Bethlehem. Dover, will you put your hands together for the other locations who are joining us? This morning, um, there's a couple of things happening. Well, one thing happening today as our, our, our board of the church have made today a Pastor Appreciation Day. And in advance, I want to thank you for already, you know, for, thank you for the kind words today and thank you in advance for, uh, for the letters and the things that, you've sh- that you're sharing with us and the pastoral staff. It is a great blessing and we're so thankful for you for doing that. And 
taking time to, to, to remember us in that way. Um, I've been sharing little updates for you every week. Um, we've been talking about this opportunity, an opportunity, and that's about as much as we shared with you, a single, single word. And last week, I asked you to pray for a response, and there's been some movement. This week, just the, the thing that I could share is it's probably a decision week for the church board. So if you begin to pray for them, we really need some clarity, some wisdom, and some peace on, on, on the steps that are in front of us that we're taking the, the right steps. Um, and if you can, if you pray for that, that would be amazing. Well, listen, what you just watched was a clip from the movie, The Lorax. And in this movie, it's one that seems to have a few different bad guys in it, but the main antagonist is the mayor of Needville, and his name is Mr. O'Hare. He, um, what happened in his life is as a teenager, he discovered that the, the Wunstler's factory got shut down, and he began to think and, and strategize on how he could develop a business that would replace that closed factory. In years past, and what happened is Mr. Uh, O'Hare developed a business where he was selling air to the people of, of Sneedville. I'm going to try to never say that again. To the people of the town, all right? I mean, that's what I'm going to say from here on forward. And it was, what he began to do is he put up walls around the town, as you saw in that clip. Everything in the town was artificial. There was not a single plant in that town that was real. The grass was fake. The trees were fake. The flowers were fake. And he was making money, selling people oxygen, selling people air so that they could breathe through all the pollution that his factory was creating. As the movie progresses, that little guy on that single-wheeled scooter, Ted Wiggins, he begins to leave the town. He begins to discover a truth outside of the town that air can be created for free through trees. And this is the kind of the main plot of the movie. Now, this is a crazy idea, selling air to people who could get it for free. Who would ever buy air when you can get it for free? Why would you go to Walgreens or CVS or Amazon and buy yourself a can of air when you could get it for free? But anyway, these movies are crazy. I don't know where they come up with all these crazy ideas. Uh, but why don't you open your Bibles? Now, in the movie, Ted, this teenager, he's given a seed by the guy who originally, early in the movie, chopped down all of the trees. This is where the Lorax came in, and, and he was trying to warn people. And, and now that guy who chopped down all the trees, he lives in the abandoned shack. Ted finds him. This guy named the Wunstler gives Ted a single seed to a tree. Now, if you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 19, we're going to read an account that shockingly has a few parallels here to this story. And 
It's a true account of someone who you may have never paid attention to. So we're not, last week was a big name. We talked about Judas. This week, we're going to be talking about Demetrius the silversmith. And you may not be familiar with him, so this will be um, interesting to you as you hear about his story. He's certainly not considered one of the great villains of the Bible, but he is someone who came against the church. And what will be happening is I'm going to read you a portion of the scripture, but keep your Bibles open to Acts chapter 19, because this account is um, it's about it, verses 23 through 40, and we'll be breaking it up in sections as we talk through it. So Acts chapter 19, verse number 23, will you follow along with me? It starts with, about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. And I'll I'll stop right there. This is very early on in church history before Christians were called Christians. All right. They were called the way. Christianity was called the way based on the famous statement Jesus made about himself, where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this is early on. They're not even called Christians yet. And verse number 24, this trouble developed in Ephesus because it began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He is a big business owner. He calls all of his uh, his employees, his business partners together, along with many others who are employed in similar trades. And he addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man, Paul, persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. We'll stop right there. You can look back up at me. Demetrius, he doesn't know Paul personally. He doesn't know other followers of the way personally, but what does he know? He does not like them. All right. And maybe you're in church today and you're like, yeah, I get that. I, I, I've known a few Christians. I didn't know them personally, but I knew enough to knew, to know I wasn't going to be hanging out with them. And the, the primary reason he dislikes them is because they're disrupting his business. He's got employees, he's got uh, high profit, he, and, he, and already immediately this guy's coming to town and he's saying it's affecting their weekend sales year over year. It's not the same. What he's doing his business here is he's peddling little idols and he's making bank. I, you know, I don't know if you captured that statement, but he's saying that these gods that we're making with our hands, that they're not real gods at all. You just think about that statement. And they believed what they were making, that I could take some silver, melt it down, 
make it into some sort of image. And then that is now going to be what I worship. And that is now going to be what helps me in my life. Now, he's got this business. He's making this money. He's employing these people. But also, he's part of a region that is worshiping a false god. And that's a secondary concern for him. Hey, you, you know, they're in Ephesus, and this temple for Artemis was one of the wonders of the world at this time of history. I mean, this temple was, uh, you know, it was people would travel just to see it. It was magnificent. I think it, I think if I remember right, it had 127 columns. It was enormous. Like, listen, if, if this catches, if people begin to believe this, what's going to happen to this temple? What's going to happen to the worship of Artemis? Now, we can fast forward a couple thousand years and we know what happens. Well, the false god was exposed. The temple was put in ruins. And the worship of Jesus is now over 2 billion people worldwide. That's what happened. He was right. Hey, we're going to stop this guy from preaching because what's going to happen to Artemis? What's going to happen to our business? She won't get the prestige she deserves is what he says. But we would begin to argue that maybe people, they would discover truth. They would meet not only the way, who else did Jesus say he was? They would meet him as the truth, the truth. Christianity, it disrupts economies. And that, can, that is sometimes one of the reasons why Christianity's not allowed. You know, we're in Cuba, and it's not unknown fact to many people that for a lot of years, Christianity wasn't welcomed there. It still can be a little touch and go, which is why I'd be a little touch and go on what I say here um, on Church Online. But it disrupts economies, and, and I, I, there's a few stories that you may have heard similar stories about, but there was a revival in the United States. There was a couple of revivals. One of them was called the Second Great Awakening. And when the Second Great Awakening happened, uh, it was a, a culture at large. All of a sudden, everybody's making it, no matter kind of where you are, just thousands and thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people are saying, like, I'm walking away from my old life. I'm going to follow Jesus now. It was just nonstop. And if you were someone you didn't want to believe, you're like, no, not you too. You too, come on. And it was like, all your friends are getting saved. All your family's getting saved. And eventually you find yourself like, I'm saved too. How does that happen? And it just was happening at such a, a, a large amount that it changed and affected the economy of the United States. When the, the great awake, the second great awakening happened, the, um, it affects, so by 1830, the average consumption of liquor per individual declined to 1.8 gallons per year. Declined by 1.8 gallons per year. So that is a heck of a lot of liquor. All right, 1.8 gallons. But naturally, alcohol sales dropped and declined when people were, begin to give their life to Christ. It's amazing. It could be from multiple factors. One, could have been they were getting physical healing, so they didn't need to 
use alcohol as a medicine anymore. It could have been that they were getting emotional healing, so they didn't use, need to use alcohol as a medicine anymore. And, and it could have been that they were getting set free from alcoholism, which was keeping them and their families in captivity. Another one, um, this is a, a story that I read that happened in 2014. And there was a brothel in the Congo. And the church in that town, in that city, went and approached the women who were working in that brothel and asked them a simple question, if they had considered another way of life. Which is interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought of asking someone that. It's not a judgmental question. It's not, hey, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you could make a decision to take a path different than the way your parents lived. You could make a decision that would change a path on, on, on poverty, on education, on, on addiction, on abuse. You could make a decision to change your family tree. They asked them that question and they shared with them this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 reads, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And every woman who was working in that brothel that day decided to leave that day, well, this, which is amazing. They weren't forced to. They weren't threatened to. They just said, have you considered another way of life? And they said, we will pursue that way of life. That's wonderful. You should be responding to that in a positive way, maybe. <laughs> People are like, well, where am I going to go when I go to Congo now? Like, that's not the point of the story. So, but someone opposed, this wasn't good news for everybody. When the madam of the brothel discovered that all of her workers had left, she protested it and she demanded money for her lost income. And so the church in the Congo took up an offering to pay for each woman's freedom. They paid $50 for each. Then they began to coach the madam about less harmful ways to make a living. And her brothel is no longer operational. Listen, Christianity and following Jesus, it disrupts economies. And the one thing we've got to recognize in our life is that, um, well, one, not everybody wants you to follow Jesus. It can be for their own reasons and their own benefit. It could be for, uh, it could be economies. It could be all kinds of things coming against Jesus. But people don't necessarily, on a whole, people don't want you to follow Jesus. A sec another thing about Christianity, so it it's dis disrupts plans and, and economies, but also disrupts other religions. And, and I'm going to uh, speak here, uh, not in a way to be offensive, but I just want to maybe speak some truth in here that no one's, um, no one's spoken to you about before. In today's modern culture, there would be some who would feel that Paul shouldn't have gone to Ephesus and told people about Jesus. You need to let them have their culture. Don't disrupt their culture. They would use um, negative names to talk about Paul going to another culture. 
to teach about his own religion. Church, I think we've all got to remind ourselves and understand doctrinally, according to scripture, there is only one way to be saved. There's only one way. It's not through religion. It's not all religions lead to God. I remember being a, being a teenager and being in a philosophy class in high school, and, and the teacher who proclaimed to be a Christian was going on and on, ranting and raving that I, me, and, and two of my Christian friends would believe how ignorantly that, um, that only, Christ, only people who follow Jesus go to heaven. And I responded, listen, a lot of these other religions don't even believe they're going to heaven. Why should I believe they're going to heaven if they don't believe they're going to heaven? And it was just like, uh-huh. <laughs> they don't believe they're going to heaven. They don't want to go to heaven. So it's not an offensive thing for me to say, hey, there's only one way to heaven. It's by Jesus and only Jesus. And it disrupts religion because for, for some, it's a prophet. For some, it's a power. But also, and I kind of made mention of this last week. Here's, here's, a, here's a big picture here to understand. Asher, if you could stop that for me, that would be helpful. Big thing here. And I want to let you in kind of behind the curtain. We're following Jesus. They're following who else? I mean, think of any other worship um, name, any other religious name that people are following. If there is one true God who sent his one and only son, then what are all these other Religion, what are, they, what are they doing? What are they worshiping? Because some are having experiences. Some are experiencing the supernatural. What's going on here? We understand this from Scripture, that these are deceiving spirits. What does that mean? It means while we worship Jesus, they're worshiping a demon. Have you understood? It's not just... Let people have religion. Let people believe what they want. No, it's a battle, as Scripture says, against spiritual powers, against principalities. And people are getting hooked into demonic, to the demonic realm and captured and deceived by the demonic realm. And so when we come in and we say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, why do some people act so vehemently against that? Why, why when, when we're communicating life, are there other religions trying to kill? Because the demonic spirits are trying to protect what they've created. They're trying to keep people under the power of what we created, of what they've created. Now, jumping back to the Lorax, we see this parallel the truth disrupting economy, the truth disrupting leadership power, the truth disrupting a way of life. Mr. O'Hare wants to keep everything the same.
Mr. O'Hare? So, I hear you've become interested in trees. What's that all about? Uh, oh, um, where did you hear that? Oh, <laughs> Teddy, there's not much that goes on in Thneedville that I don't know about. Here's the deal. I make a living selling fresh air to people. Trees, oh, they make it for free. So, when I hear people talking about them, I consider it kind of a threat to my business. Come on, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you listen to me, boy. Don't go poking around in things you don't understand, or I'll be your worst nightmare. I'm Frankenstein's head on a spider's body! Yeah, um... <clears throat> Okay, my mom's expecting me, so I'm just gonna... <laughs> of course, of course. Now, go back to your family game time. Grandma, just finished your turn. How, how, how did you know? <laughs> Please, I have eyes everywhere. <laughs> you got a beautiful town here, Ted. Lots of fun stuff to occupy your short attention span. Well, I can't think of any reason You'd ever want to go outside of town again. Ever. Okay, <laughs> good talk. Really good talk. Listen, let's read, uh, start reading in verse number 28. So Acts 19, verse number 28. So Demetrius has told everybody, hey, he's trying to kill our business. He's trying to introduce a new God. At this, their anger burned, and they began shouting, great as Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon, the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus, who were, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the provident, a province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept it up for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Listen, when money is threatened, when power is threatened, when false religion, false religions are threatened, they threaten back. We come with a message of life and they threaten death. Again, why do some religions want to kill other religions? It's demons protecting their deception. It's leaders protecting their power. It's people protecting their money. You begin to touch their idols. They don't like that very much. 
Demonic powers do not like to get disrupted by the power of God. You can think in scripture when, uh, when Jesus shows up and all of a sudden there's a, be- a demon begging, don't, don't, don't hurt us, Lord. Don't hurt us, Jesus. Don't hurt us. Let us, let us stay. Let us, please leave us alone. And the only thing he did was show up. When we've had the opportunity in this country and in foreign nations to pray with people who have experienced demonic possession, the demons don't like to leave. Sometimes we, we're praying for, for a little bit of time. Sometimes it's a scene. Sometimes they try to scare you. But they have to leave because there is only one true God. It's Jesus. There's only one name by which men can be saved. It's Jesus. There is only one who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the the business owner of business owners and the doctor of doctors, the pastor of pastors. There's only one. It's Jesus. And at his name, everyone will bow. At his name, every demonic power will bow. Every every powerful world leader will bow because he is the one above them all. And do you know this is true for your personal life as well? That when you want to take steps toward following Jesus, there's a spiritual enemy working really hard to get you to stop. I think of it this way, right? If God told you to get healthy, and sometimes God does that. God's done that to me before, and I'm sure before year's end, he'll do it again. God will speak to you to get healthy. And when he does that, you get a call from your grandma or your aunt or from Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and they say, I signed you up for cheesecake of the week for the next 52 Sundays a year. Cheesecakes are showing up at your door. The enemy is all, when you begin to take steps toward what God wants, one, one opportunity he's going to come in in a very negative way. So the, all, I'm going to share something with you and you're going to think about your friend or you're going to think about you or when you first started. When you come to church and you're beginning to think about God, you're beginning to worship God, you're beginning to give your life to God, all of a sudden the enemy's threatening you within service itself. And this happens more often than we would realize because you're all looking at me and I'm, all, and I'm looking at you. But it seems like almost every week someone has to leave the service because they don't know how to explain it, but I, I felt so much anxiety. I felt so uncomfortable. I, I kept crying. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stay in there. Well, it's because, why? Because, I mean, certainly... We're sharing a message of Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you. We're not speaking hate. We're not like, I can either look around the room for someone to embarrass. We're like, we're not doing anything like that. What is that? That feeling like you need to leave, what is that? That's a spiritual power trying to keep you from experiencing Jesus. Now, here's the other thing. When you begin to, I want to live pure opportunities to sin will show up on a red carpet.
everything you ever wanted will all of a sudden become available to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna like, to, like, like Job from the scripture, I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes not to sin against you, Lord God. All of a sudden, you're getting text messages, Snapchats. God, I'm only going to date another believer. All of a sudden, your Tinder thing, you're getting all these notifications. No girl has ever swiped to you before, but now all of a sudden, there's 15. Listen, when you decide to follow God, sometimes family will even come against you. Relationships will end. We have to ask, is it worth it? Jesus, am I going to follow you even though I'm losing so much, even though there's this difficulty, even though everything's coming against me to get me to stop, even though everything I used to want and could never have, now that I don't want it, I could have all of it. What am I going to do? I've got this seed of faith. What am I going to do with it, God? And which leads us, I've got two stories before we watch this last clip. One was from my pastor, so the previous pastor of Restoration Church. And he was a, uh, he was a, a, a youth, he was a pastor in Canada, and he told me the story from Canada that there was a girl who had come to his church and had gotten, gotten saved. She was a young girl, 13, 14 years old, but she was using substances, alcohol, drinking all the time, hurting her in bad relationships, and came to a service and got saved. Ab- Absolutely delivered, healed, smile, joy, set free from alcoholism. It's a beautiful story. Except her parents didn't like who she'd become because her parents were alcoholics and they wouldn't let her go to church anymore. And slowly, because she had no one affirming her slowly because she wasn't allowed to interact with other believers. She began to just settle back into the lifestyle she'd been freed from. I think of another story from my life and, uh, or, or, or it was my experience. It was my phone call and it was Halloween season, probably who knows when, 2006, 2007, around that time frame. And one of our nights teaching, we were teaching in scripture, of, you know, it's talking about witchcraft and all these other spiritual things that's mentioned in the Bible. And I began to teach, and I began to teach it. And that day as I was in the, the church office, I got a phone call and, hi, this is Pastor Nate. <laughs> and it was an, um, a, an upset mom on the phone. Hey, this is so-and-so's mom. Do I have to understand that you were teaching against witchcraft at your youth group? And I was like, yeah, I was. And I thought maybe they were upset they were teaching such a heavy teaching. Her, it is what she said. Well, I'm a witch, and I don't really appreciate you talking against me to my child. And I remember being a little stunned by that. I, and I remember the conversation, hey, listen, I can't not teach parts of the Bible. But here's what I can promise you. I won't tell your son whatever, like you're, oh, disobey your mom, don't listen to your mom, hate your mom. 
I just want to teach the Bible, and I'm not going to teach bad. I'm not going to tell him bad things about you. Does that sound good? That sounds wonderful. <laughs> and he came. He came into adulthood, and uh, she occasionally, maybe once or twice, came to a service herself. Listen, what are we going to do when we're feeling? I want to follow Jesus. I want to participate in Jesus, and all these things are coming against us. You have a choice to make, just like they did in the Lorax. Let's watch this clip. <laughs> you don't know me, but my name's Sai. I'm just the O'Hare delivery guy. But it seems like trees might be worth a try. So I say, let it grow. My name is Dan, and my name's Rose, our son Wesley kinda glows, and that's not good, so we suppose we should let it grow. Let it grow, let it grow, you can't reap what you don't sow, plant a seed inside the earth, just one way to know it's worth, let's celebrate the world's rebirth. might be true it could be time to start anew and maybe change my point of view nah <laughs> i say let it die let it die let it die let it shrivel up and come on who's with me huh nobody you greedy dead man <laughs> be too corny here, but <laughs> man, I say let it grow too. Let God do in your life what he wants to do. 
We finish up this passage and then we'll pray. Verse number 35. It says, at last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said. Everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and, not, and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the, the case at once. Let them make formal charges. And if there are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we are in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them, and then he dispersed. And there's, a, there's another book in scripture called Ephesians, which was written to the church in Ephesus, the Christians in Ephesus, who came to Christ and led others to Christ through Paul and these other believers who came in to share Jesus. Where's the temple now in ruins? Where's the worship of Artemis? It doesn't exist. But where's Jesus on the throne, alive? What is he doing growing his church? Not just here, not just in Cuba, but around the world. I ask you these two questions. What's God trying to do in your life? And what's standing against it? As you close your eyes, I want you to think about that. What's standing against it? Because you recognize something standing against it. I want to do this, but I can't because I keep trying, but then. And every time you try to pursue God, you recognize that there's an opposition to it. What's going to happen in your life? What are you going to do? A lot of the things that you're holding on to, they're as temporary as that, as that old temple. But the things that God wants to bring you, the things that God wants to do in you, they're eternal. What's God want to do? Jesus, we give our hearts to you. We give our lives to you. And we ask you, God, to have your way. We come against every spiritual force trying to keep us from you in the life you've called us to live and the John 10, 10 life you've promised us. For every person in here, may they boldly follow you. May they boldly live and receive everything that you have for them. And God, what's starting in their life as a small seed, God is going to blossom and spread to their families and become a forest of faith. It's not going to just bring change in their life. It's going to bring change to the generations after them until that moment you return. And in our eternity with you, in the new heaven and the new earth, in our eternity with you forever, God, we will never regret the things that we had to give up, the things we sacrificed or the things we lost because we decided to follow you. Give us courage to follow you, 
no matter what, no matter who stands against us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand? Let's sing.